It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. And as always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Rick, Bengals with a rare win on the road. It has been since 2015 that they've gone into Pittsburgh and come away with a win. And today, they go in and beat the Steelers 24-10. to and I hate to say this because it arguably got a little dicey late, but it never it never really felt in doubt until you thought as a Bengals fan that, oh, yeah, this is the Bengals. This is the Steelers. Here come the Steelers driving to make it 24-17. They are going to lose this. But it really never felt in doubt. If you really if you look at it objectively from a distance and separate yourself from what everybody's gone through, they kind of own Pittsburgh today. Well, and I'm not good at doing that, as you know, but even nobody is even me. I never felt like the game was in question. I never got the, oh, no, here we go feeling at all in the second half. In fact, ever since Jamar Chase's touchdown to end the first half, it really felt like the Bengals were just rolling the entire time. They were just steamrolling right over at the Steelers. And a, a big part of that, as we'll talk about more as we go on, is th- who the Steelers were today. I mean, they were banged up. Roethlisberger looked like he, he was 55. I mean, it, it, they were a mess. They looked really, really bad. And that's part of can't, why I wasn't can't, worried. Can't, can't run the ball at all. I mean, the Bengals dominated up front on both sides. And someone sent me the tweet, like, when's the last time that happened against right. Pittsburgh? I was right. like, has it ever? I mean, I, I don't recall that in my lifetime ever happening. Uh, yeah, no, I go back to the 70s Bengals that were really, really good on both sides of the ball uh, th- from the early 70s to the mid 70s. And um, that happened to unfortunately be the great Pittsburgh Steelers teams of all great Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers teams. And the Bengals did not dominate on either side of the ball then. And they were arguably at the time, the second or third best team in the AFC. So, no, this does not happen the way it happened today. You get your first AFC road win for Zach Taylor, his second road win overall. And I'll say, as unprepared and overwhelmed as him and his coaching staff looked in last week's game, they were equally impressive today. They were everything, all the things that we wanted to see them improve. They weren't perfect. There's still some things that you could question or you might like to see them do differently, but they looked prepared they looked like they had answers they looked like they had a plan they weren't nearly as predictable they were choosy on offense really picky they chose their spots very carefully and they weren't over aggressive at all still they were pretty conservative but they gave joe a chance they gave the running backs a chance they mixed it up they weren't so predictable yeah i gave zach taylor a c plus i gave luana rumo an a and the reason for zach mostly was again the offense only had 268 yards they only ran 42 plays Um, I'm with you on some of that. I love when they came out to start the second half and decided we're going to run it down your throat. They line up a bunch of guys on the right side on one play and said, here we come, stop it. Joe Mixon went 11 yards, 12 yards. I thought that was a nice change of pace to kind of like ease your way into the second half, especially off the Jamar touchdown. The thing that I just didn't like was when Pittsburgh kicked the field goal to go 24-10, when they went to the empty set and threw that first pass and it went off a receiver's hands and when it was up in the air, I thought, Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Interception Pittsburgh. Oh, no. And it fell to the turf, which was good. That I questioned that a little bit, um, but I I thought Luana Rumo's plan was great. Uh, The the one where uh, Logan Wilson made that great diving interception, the first of his two picks, uh, he flips Sam Hubbard from the end spot to middle linebacker. Hubbard stands there for a minute, and Ben's trying to survey what in the world is going on. I couldn't tell if he made a check or not, but then all of a sudden Hubbard comes on the delay blitz from middle linebacker, mind you. That's where he was lined up. Hits Ben, and he had talked about it earlier in the week. You got to hit Ben's arm. You can't try to sack him. Hits Ben, forces the ball in the air. Logan Wilson intercepts, and I thought that was so good schematically 
that I think it messed with a 19 year veteran quarterback. And then the other one was late in the game, Steelers trying to make it a game. If they score a touchdown, they're down a score with a potential onside kick fourth and whatever, 10 or 11 from the, from the, whatever it was, 11 or 12 yard line. He shows all out blitz. Ben kind of looks around, decides he either has to check or sees, I got to get out of my hands quickly. He backs out and Ben freaks and throws it to Najee Harris in the flat on fourth and 10 from down there. And you can tell Najee Harris caught it went, Oh, where do I go from here? Let me try to run through five of you and couldn't do it. I thought Lou Anaruma was great today. Totally agree that the play that you just referenced late in the game where he basically baited Ben into that throw was a fantastic call. And that that's another great example of last week I was talking about as good as the defense played, especially in the first half of that game, I felt like they could have been more aggressive with trying to put some pressure. I want to see them get a little more pressure because if this, if this offense is going to be so conservative, you have to be more opportunistic with your defense. That was one of the things that we had talked about in the preseason. You mentioned that you don't know you know, how solid this defense will be. You knew they would be improved, but you definitely thought they would be able to create more takeaways and get more pressure as well. We saw that today, and I thought a big part of that was Lou Anarumo. Yes, they kept everything in front of them. Yes, they didn't get beat that's by fine. any of the explosive plays, which is seems to be their plan, and that's working great for them right now. But they also dialed it up on a few occasions and tricked Ben, whether it was that, like you said, the play where they're showing all the pressure, and then they're getting to check down, and they're actually dropping all those guys back in coverage and basically flooding right to where the ball was going to be thrown. I mean, he knew exactly what Ben was going to do on that play when he gave him that look. It was a perfect call. And then, like you said, just some of the simple stuff that they did early in the game to to apply some pressure, like that Hubbard play. They're not getting too exotic. They're not sending people all around all over the place, but they're just confusing you with a couple simple things that they're doing. I, I thought he had a fantastic game. The defense looked really well prepared. And credit to the guys because they played well. I thought Trey Hendrickson is looking like the guy you brought him in to be. I don't think last year was just one lucky contract year. I, I don't think it is either now that I watch him. I'm with you. Yeah, I so I, I was excited about that. I thought they're not getting bullied as much in the run game period on those gotta have them type down and distance situations for the Steelers. Last year, it felt like the Bengals could never get off the field in those short yardage running situations this year, they're really bottling it up some pretty good running backs and might not be the best offensive lines that they're going against. Certainly not Pittsburgh's, but they're playing pretty well up front at the point of attack. And then your guy, Logan Wilson, he's a dude. You've been on it for a while. He, he can really play. Uh, I tell you what he's, you know, he had 14 tackles today, six solos. And a lot of that was because there was so much check down stuff. Right. So, I mean, I gotta be, I can't be unfair to, just tout him as the next Dick Butkus. So he made a lot of tackles, you know, where guys were catching balls, but still 14 tackles is 14 tackles, uh, six solos, which were still pretty good. And two interceptions, his ball skills are ridiculously good. Yeah. That's the part for me that he just has ball skills. Um, yeah. You can argue, well, Ben threw him one and he did, but he also jumped the route a little bit. And the one that was tipped in the air, he had his back to the play and almost caught it over his head. Um, on, a, on, a, on a diving catch, it was spectacular. And that's the thing this defense has lacked. I mean, we, we talked about Vontez Perfect, right? At times could be the playmaker, and he was. I, I you know, I'm not, I, I was not a big Vontez fan in many ways. But listen, when the guy was great, the guy was great. Problem was, he wasn't great consistently enough. Before him, and you can correct me on this, I do, I'm doing this off the top of my head as we're speaking. I got to go back to Odell Thurman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the last a, young a, guy, a, play, that... a playmaker, not just yeah. a guy who could play line. I'm talking about a, a playmaker. Exactly. Odell had five interceptions. The one year he played was a tackle machine. 
sadly, the way his career ended is just, it is, it's so sad because he was so good that one year he played. But you got to go back to then to get you a playmaker. The thing we talked about with Burfecht, too, is it's like he was a playmaker, but he was so erratic. Whereas Logan Wilson, that second interception is a perfect example of he's always in the right spot. He's the Johnny on the spot type of guy. You can just tell. And, you know, that I thought people made too much out of that second interception. Like that ball was thrown right into his gut. He was it was it it was I'm with him for being there. I didn't think people made a, a big enough a deal out of the first catch. I thought the first catch was a really athletic, really ridiculous. heads up play by him. It was ridiculous how good that interception was the first one. I, 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 honestly, I'm not sure how many defensive backs make that catch. I'm not sure how many center fielders in baseball <laughs> go back and make that catch, dude. That was how good that was. It was really good because the, the thing is, when you see that play in slow motion, it's like, oh, okay, it's not as hard. But like in real time, the reaction time he needed to to – turn around, dive backwards like that full extension. That's a really tough play. So I, yeah, I thought that was a heck of a play. And, and like I said, I didn't think that got enough credit for, for what a catch that was skinny. We talk a ton about the offensive line on this podcast. When you look at the numbers, the fact that they didn't allow any sacks, there was only one official pressure in terms of the stat by NFL's next gen stats. You know, there's some other plays out there where some of it was maybe Joe extended to play a little longer and right. he took a couple hits, whatever, but I thought the offensive line was outstanding. My question for you is how much was it the Bengals offensive line playing better? How much of it was the Steelers being injured and not having their best pass rushers? And how much was it better play calling? Yeah. In the interest of fairness, it, you, you can't discount the injuries. You just can't. I mean, Stefan to defensive end starter, uh, Tyson, Aleo starter at nose tackle, uh, TJ Watt started outside linebacker. And um, Aleo Leo on the nose and Stefan to on the one side and TJ Watt. He and TJ Watt on the same side. That would have been on Riley Reef's side, Jackson Carmen's side. You can't discount that. So you gotta be in the interest of fairness. You, you've, you've got to take that into account, but I also have to take into account that Jackson Carmen's making his first start at right guard. And I didn't notice him other than a couple of plays. One of them, I noticed him in a good way. One of them noticed him in a not so good way, but for the most part, they were, I mean, they, they ended a streak, Rick, and I'm telling you something you already know. And most people probably listen to this podcast or Bengals fans. They already know it, but they ended a streak of 75 straight games and the Steelers recorded a sack. That tells me you can imagine those 75 games, right? I can't go back and document them all. I don't cover the Steelers. I know the Steelers. I know enough about the Steelers. I can't document the Steelers all the way. Somewhere along the line, they had some injuries, right? And they still managed to record a quarterback sack. I think they did a good job of Joe getting out of his hands. But they also, I didn't think they ran a lot of quick game today, which I'm not a big quick game fan. I just, I think you saw that with Pittsburgh. Quick game just lends itself to, go ahead and throw this one there, throw this one there, and then you're going to get a holding penalty. Then you're going to get a false start. Then we're going to sack you. And then you're occasionally going to get a drop. And we're going to stop you for the most part. Yeah, you're going to get yourself maybe a drive on occasion. And you're going to get yourself a nine-minute drive or maybe an eight-minute drive. And we need to get you off the field. And the, unfortunately, the Bengals a couple of times couldn't. But for the most part, they allowed no explosives. So that's what they did. I'm just not a big quick game guy. I just occasionally, sure. But for your game plan, no. And so that's where, yeah, I look and go, there was a bunch of times they let Joe stand back there and survey it. I thought Joe made a great point. The touchdown to Jamar Chase, dude. And this was this was great that he said this. And it it was true. You know where Jamar Chase was, not on the deep ball, but on the second touchdown catch? You know what progression number he was? The fifth option is what I read. The fifth option. Is yeah. that not something? That's it's, it's impressive. Option. Credit to the offensive line. Yes, and he did. And Joe said, 
if you get to your fifth progression, chances are that guy's probably open. <laughs> Just like the matter of fact way in which he said it, which was, yeah, guys, I got to my fifth guy. And I said to the offensive line, that's why you guys did the job for me. And you know what happened on that play specifically was a stunt was ran right at Jackson Carmen, and he got a piece of the first guy, chipped him, and then passed him off and took on the stunt himself, did a really nice pickup, and that was pretty much what gave Jabril yeah. all that time. Yeah. And we talked last week about how it was simple communication, things like that, that were really giving the Bengals offensive line trouble. And even Jonah Williams, after the game today, said it's the simple stuff that right. we had to get right. right. And That's right. In some regards, that makes me feel really good because as bad as they looked last week against very basic concepts from the opposing defense, they weren't getting beat up physically. They're not getting blown off the ball or ran around like they're Bobby Hart. These guys no, right. seem to be able to win one-on-one matchups. That's that, right. That was just embarrassingly bad the way they couldn't handle a simple delayed blitz or a simple twist at the, the line. I mean, they've got to be better than that, but those also seem to be things that are more easily fixed. And we saw that today. They didn't have any issues with it. No, no doubt. And and again, Jackson Carmen did a good job with that. I mean, the couple of plays I'm going to nitpick were one where Burrow scrambled up the middle and, and, and Jackson had a block on the right edge. And if he'd have held the block, I think Joe would have scrambled for the first down. He did not hold the block. Um, but I'm also looking going, how long am I asking this kid to hold the block? Right. So, I mean, um, it was very nitpicky stuff. If you're going to do it, I'm, I'm going to be really interested tomorrow you know, when you ask a coach post game and, and the question was asked of Zach, what he thought of Jackson, he gave the right answer. I mean, you can't really tell it till you watch film. I'll be interested to see what they say from a film study perspective, what they thought of Jackson. I can't imagine it was bad. I, I just want to know how good it was. There's, there's a big difference between that because there's no way it was bad when you don't give up any sacks and, and, and Joe Mixon averages five yards of carry. Right. And they ran a chunk of runs over that, towards right, that side. right side. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not always him. There's pulls involved and there's different blocks involved. And that's, again, we're, we always evaluate offensive line play. We don't know. And that's where I'm not a pro football focus maven or crazy person with it, but I do think it gives you some validation when coaches aren't about to give you run blocking grades or pass blocking grades. And I suggest that to Marvin Lewis one time, because he got mad at me about writing about pro football focus. I said, Hey, I won't write about them. If you want to give me all your blocking grades, I said, I'll take, take your blocking grades and post what you guys. No, I'm not going to do that. Of course you're not. So I, that's what I've got to go on. But it's always usually it kind of validates kind of what you see with your eyes. I think we're going to get a pretty good grade from Jackson Carmen tomorrow based on what we saw with our eyes. I'd be stunned if we don't. And the good part is, listen, Xavier Suafield did not grade out well from PFF the first two weeks. Eyeball test. He wasn't great the first two weeks. He wasn't embarrassingly Bobby Hart bad the first two weeks. But I think what we needed, what did we need or what did Bengals fans need or what did this team need on the offensive line? You needed Jackson Carmen to go win this job, and he didn't. And now today, maybe you go, you know what, kid? You won the job. Until you mess up bad moving forward, and there may be weeks coming forward he does that, bottom line is right now you go, son, you won the job. Go at it. That was kind of my takeaway, too. It's like I don't know how great he was, but he was certainly good enough to say you're the starter until proven otherwise as right. opposed to Xavier Suafilo at this right. point. So, you know, no pressures. He – I think he moved some bodies in the run game. He did. There he was, did. There was one situation where they had him pull and he completely whiffed and then kind of stumbled. I saw, and fell yes, over yes, 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 yes. I remember the. I remember I, the play. I, uh, he, he, pulled, he he pulled right to left, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the players. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and I was a little worried at that point. I was like, oh, that didn't look too good. But I thought the rest of the game. You know, I was trying to pay a little more attention to him just because he was the the new guy out there, and it's such a big talking point. And and I liked what I saw. I mean, I, I think he's definitely 
looks the part. He's huge. He he can definitely maul some guys up front in the run game. And credit to Riley Reef too, playing next to him and probably making that a lot easier on him. That's because right. No, you're that right. side held up really well all game, both in the run and pass protection. So you mentioned Jamar Chase up at the top of the podcast. Speaking of absolutely looking the part, he is a legit game breaker. And that is why you have to give him more chances. And I mean, obviously he goes out and gets two touchdowns on five targets today, but like I'm to the point, it's hard to nitpick this performance from the coaching staff, but I'm to the point where Joe Burrow has to throw the ball downfield, you know, more than 20 yards, more than twice a game. And Jamar chase needs more than just four or five chances a game to make something happen because I'll be damned if he doesn't make something happen every time you throw the ball his way. Yep. And that's the part for me. Um, let's go to a couple points to that. Number one is, you know, I, I, I get the Penny Sewell argument. We all understood it, but this is what you lacked last year. Um, this is what you didn't have. You didn't have your game breaker and Hey, let's not forget. You also didn't have arguably, and this is no knock on Tyler Boyd and you're going to kill me for this. You arguably didn't have your second best wide receiver today in T Higgins. Tyler Boyd's number three to me. And that's no knock. I mean, just no, it, is what it, it is what it is. And that's a pretty good number three, right? So the, the thing for Jamar Chase is he just gives you the thing you didn't have last year. It's the thing that AJ Green used to give you. Yep. And God love AJ. I think he went over 100 yards today for Arizona. So good for him. I think five catches for 101 or something like that. And I'm, I'm listen, I'm not anti AJ Green. Trust me. I, the guy was so good. And I know you're not either. You love the guy. Um, but that he wasn't that guy last year. Um, and maybe it's another year for him being healthy and he gets to a new place and, it, it, you know, breath of fresh air and all those things. But that wasn't him last year. Jamar Chase is that game breaker and you have to give him chances. And he gives you that different dimension. I mean, four touchdowns in three games, uh, you know, three of them for 34 plus yards out. That's a game breaker. And the one today, Literally, if we go back and watch it, and I've watched it five times, and I got to probably watch it another five times to make sure I'm right on this. When Joe threw the ball, the quarterback, whatever it is, Pierre, Lewis, Pierre, Smith, whatever his name, Juan Pierre, I don't know, it was something, whatever his name Juan was. Pierre for sure. Yeah, it was not Juan Pierre. I know that. He was an outfielder for the Rockies back in the day. But anyway, um, he was not past him at that point. He was about a half a step shy of the corner, and Joe just threw it and goes, go catch it. And I'll throw it here and you go run to there. And the last three strides, he accelerated. And I, you know, I didn't write it this way, Rick. I've already written my piece and I shame on me. And I want to talk to, to hopefully get Jamar a little bit more in depth. Although he did post game. It's a short week. We not, we not get him more in depth because I'd love to talk to him about it. He's talked about on deep balls, kind of accelerating late. And there's, I think there's a skill to that of not just totally running by a guy where he just turns and runs with you. It's kind of running with you and then saying the ball's out here. I see it. You don't. And now I go. And when he went, he went three strides past him and then reached his hands out and made a glorious catch. I mean, that was a great catch. The catch was great. The, the, the fact that he accelerated the way he did is great. And I'm kind of with you. I'm just, I, I said it last week. I'm throwing that ball, to that guy three or four times a game down the field. Cause I'm going to get one of those and I'm probably going to get an interference and I might get an interception and I might get a crazy incompletion, but I'm going to get a couple of big plays out of that. And in this league where it's hard to drive the ball 80 yards, I want those, I want those chunk plays. Well, skinny, just think about three of the touchdowns that they've thrown to chase, right? The first the end of the first half in the Vikings game, kind of a, not a, not desperation isn't the right. No, word, but, but he a ran right by, where you, 
where you're right gonna, by Breland. He ran right, right by you're, him. You're just going to throw it up. The defense knows you're going to try it, probably take a chance downfield. And, you know, you're just seeing what can happen. And sure enough, he makes it happen. Last week, you're at the end of the game. You've got no choice but to throw the ball downfield, try to make a desperate comeback. He goes up in between two guys on a bad throw from Burrow that was thrown too short. Otherwise, you're it right. should have been a walk-in no, touchdown. Right. And he makes a play for you and gets you a touchdown. Today, end of the half, you've got only got a minute to drive down the field to try to answer them. You just go ahead and take a shot, and he makes that play for you. They're barely scratching the surface of what Agreed. they can do with this guy Agreed. in terms of trying to give him chances within their regular offense. He's making all these plays in those sort of – desperation moments for lack of a better term. So I do want to see them find a way to involve him more creatively. And maybe it's on some end around pitches or it is on some of the quicker stuff where, where you can get him involved a little bit more, but they have got to find a way to get him more opportunities. He, he is special. And one more point on the whole Jamar chase thing. I can't tell you how lame I think this Oh, I thought he couldn't catch stuff is the dude couldn't catch. He couldn't catch. I was there, dude. You know, I watched it. You know, I'm not. uh, Yeah, he couldn't catch. Well, and and by the way, I don't think anyone at the time ever went out and was like, this is a major problem. He's never going to be able to catch every single person treated it with kid gloves and was like, it's way too early to panic. He should be fine. He took a year off. You know, we're not going to make this too big of a thing, but it is getting to the point where we're going to have to start worrying about it at some point. I mean, dude, dude, it's so lame to go act like he wasn't having issues with drops. It was a big issue for like three straight preseason games. Yeah, dude, he, he dropped three passes in a preseason game on three targets and dropped his first two targets in the first practice after that. That's yeah. a thing. That's right. a real thing. And yet, God love him. That's what everybody kept saying on the team, and that's great. A lot of times those guys are full of crap. They're going to tell you what they think they want to hope of Jamar's going to be fine. Did they think Jamar was going to be fine? I don't know. It's a Marvin Lewis thing. I believe what I see. And guess what I see? I see him making play after play. I mean, that catch today was superb. Superb. And yeah. good for you. I mean, he's been great in three games. That's all that matters to me. I, right. No one no one was like make, making it a bigger deal than it was, but you couldn't not talk about it. You had to talk about it with the way he was dropping the ball on very simple passes thrown right to him. Funny enough, we talked about this before the season too, and I said, I don't want to see them throw him another like pop screen just to try to get his confidence going. I want him to throw the ball downfield and let him go Correct. be Jamar Correct. Chase. And sure enough, that's what they've done in the regular that's what season, they've done. fortunately. And it's worked out uh, great. The the last point on this, I, I know I already said that once, but <laughs> the, the Jamar Chase versus Panay Sewell often like, like just because he's playing well now and, and making these plays, that goes more to my point of what we've been talking about on this podcast, which isn't that it was wrong to take Jamar Chase. But if you're going to take Jamar Chase – then you have to use Jamar Chase to help Joe Burrow and protect him. You can't do what you did last week where, yeah, you took Jamar Chase instead of an offensive lineman, but Joe Burrow is getting hit because your offense is so bad and the play calling is so vanilla and predictable and you're not using him at all to take pressure off of Joe. So those are two different conversations. It's not about they made the wrong draft pick, but it is if you made that choice, then you certainly have to use it to help Joe Burrow out because otherwise it was a bad strategy. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to run Jamar Chase on six-yard slants all the time and playing in the phone booth. You need to throw the ball down the field, and that's what they've done. And, yes, occasionally in certain circumstances, if a corner's going, gosh darn, I've, I can't let this guy run by me. I'm playing 10 yards off, and the coverage dictates, and Joe sees, hey, eight-yard slants there, and when he catches the eight-yard slant, he's Steve Smith. I mean, he is Steve Smith. I'm telling you, he is Steve Smith. That's what he reminds me of. I don't yeah. like Steve Smith, Even mind bigger. you. Yeah, I don't like C. Smith a whole lot, but he's C. Smith. 
That's what he is. He can go by you. He can catch it and run through you. He can catch it and break a tackle and run past you. Uh, he is, he is, it, it, uh, I've been on that guy's train for a long time, as you know, man, I think he's great. And again, I'm one that wrote about his issues in training camp. I don't regret it because they were issues. So, uh, but at this point, um, the, the guy is exactly what you wanted and more. I mean, four touchdowns in three games. Come on now. Real quick on Joe Burrow's performance. He goes 14 of 18 for 172, three touchdowns, one interception. He had a 122.9 quarterback rating. Obviously, he's coming off that game where he had three interceptions in a row. A little bit of concern there. No, nothing long-term, really, but you wanted to see him bounce back, and he did that today for the most part. One of the interesting thoughts of his performance today, I thought, Skinny, is he moved around yep. way differently than he did last week. And like there was a player too last week where he almost sort of took a phantom sack. Like he just felt the pressure and kind of turned his back and went down and got hit. And today you could see he had like his head up. He was looking for lanes to run through when they went empty a few times and he saw the man-to-man defense. It looked like he just called his own number, wanted to run it himself. I thought he looked way more confident in his legs and his ability to move around again, which is a he, great sign for Bengals fans. Yeah. And he didn't look fast doing it, but no. I'll tell you <laughs> the thing, the thing is he, he speaks truth to power. Let, let's go back to his whole. And that was another training camp narrative of Joe's struggles. Right. And Joe struggled. It was real. And then Joe said, Hey, listen, man, I'm worried about the pass rush and I'm worried about guys around my knee. I got to get over this. I got to figure out a way to do this. And he did. And so this week, when we talked to Joe on Wednesday in our daily press conference with our weekly press conference with him, he said, I need to make more plays with my feet. I need to scramble more. I need to make more plays to extend plays. And so guess what he does today? He decides I'm going to do that. And he did it. He is a guy that I think he just says he's kind of like the great quarterbacks in this league. The Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady and the guys that go like when, when Aaron Rodgers goes, Relax, R E L A X, relax. And if you're a Packers fan at that point, you go, ah, you're right. I mean, the first game of the year, you know, the, the, the Packers were terrible. And I'm just watching Aaron Rodgers throw another touchdown pass to make it 24 14 Green Bay. They could still lose this game. It's fourth quarter. But he's the guy that you just go, he's so cool. He gets it. And that's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow in, in, in training camp just says, hey, you're right. My knee is, I'm, I'm messed up with this. I got to get this right. Um, I don't like guys around my legs and I have to figure this out on my own. I'm going to figure it out. And then he ripped it the rest of the time in training camp, had a couple off days, but nothing egregious like he did for those few days. And then, you know, he throws the interceptions last week, throws the interception earlier this week or early in this game and comes back and, and does it. And like I said, then said, Hey, I need to run more. I need to extend plays more and does it. That's what great quarterbacks do. That's, that's what they do. It was also good to see him connect, not only on that, 34 yard bomb to Jamar Chase down the field, but there was another one or two passes that were kind of more intermediate, but still a longer throw for him based off of what they've been letting him do to this point where he was really accurate on them. That was good to see because again, it's not something that I'm worried about long-term necessarily, but at some point, if he kept missing right all these long balls and, and not being accurate on them, you're going to have to say, is, is this a legit issue for him? It was good. He, he really was pinpoint accurate on a couple of those, longer throws today which was good to see hey rick before you go into whatever last point you're going to do for your third last point but i will say this <laughs> do you know that that joe burrow's two highest passer rating games of his career it's brief it's 13 games you know when they came steelers the two games this year the steelers and oh. minnesota 128.8 oh, well. against minnesota 122.3 today the two highest passer rating games of his career have come this year 
Talk about a guy evolving. And, and, and again, you go back to last week. Last week, the pass rating sucked because why? He got picked off three times, and yet he shook that off and almost rallied you to a win. Um, that tells me that dude's evolving in a ma- not a good not not a slow way, but in a major way. Major way. My last point on the the game overall would just be Zach Taylor. We talked a lot about how important these first four games were going to be for him and the season and him keeping his job and everything, because it's going to get tougher later in the year. If you came out and you flamed in these first four, that was going to look really bad. And after last week, I, I was as discouraged with this coaching staff as I think I've ever been throughout the last three years. But today, I think this ensured that he's not going anywhere during this no, season. I think you're right. Uh, I just the, the way they play, they're two and one now. You got a road win at Pittsburgh. You had a complete performance that showcased the young talent that they've been acquiring since he became the head coach here. You can see the vision. This is the type of win that the team needed. And this is the type of the win that Zach Taylor really needed to sell that vision and really make you believe a little bit more. And by all means, I mean, this thing could fall apart. They might not win for another five weeks or something. And we'll all be talking differently about Zach Taylor at that point. But I think at least in the Bengals front office, he's not going anywhere at this after this win. No, I mean, you've got Jacksonville. There's, I mean, there's no reason to lose to them. And if you do, then, then suddenly, yes, the seat should get hot. I mean, there's no reason to lose to them. Then you got a great matchup with green Bay, which should be so much fun after that at home, you're going to beat Jacksonville. And if you don't, again, like I said, then shame on you. And we agree with that. Right. So you're three and one. Green Bay, if you lose, you're you're not discouraged, but it would be unbelievable. And they could they got a shot to win it at home, right? If you go four and one, then go to Detroit to go to five and one, go to Baltimore, probably lose, and you're not going to be mad about that. It's five and two. Go to the Jets and win six and two. Come home to play Cleveland with a chance to go seven and two before the bye. And that's a big step. I know I'm taking like ginormous steps. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah right? you're, you're getting out there right now. Correct. But I like it. Correct. I like it. Cor- correct. But let's go six and three at worst. No matter what happens down the stretch, you're not firing him at that point. You might fire him at the end of the year. Now, trust me, I've already looked and go uh, into the year. Chargers, Frisco, Denver, Baltimore, Kansas City, Cleveland, ugh, uh, and Vegas before that. So I'm sorry. So, I mean, it's it's not, you know, there's like a win or two on paper. But the bottom line is you got a chance to get this ball rolling. You get to three and one with a, I always call this a mini bye week, right? Because you play the Thursday game and then you got the weekend off. Yep. You get to three and one. Green Bay four and one, Detroit five and one, go to Baltimore. Could you steal one there? Have they done anything that makes you go, damn, Baltimore's great? They just went to well, they, they just, just went to, they just went to Detroit and have a guy hit a 66 yard field goal off the upright to win, for goodness sakes. Yeah, but I'll be damned if they don't find a way to win it every time. So I know I mean, that they, they I, avoid I'm, it. I, I'm noting you. I, I think the Ravens and Packers games are both going to be really difficult for the Bengals uh, to get a no, win at, no, but I think no, they'll be competitive. No, dude, agreed. But the point is You've got it. There's there's not like a team you go, oh boy, I don't like that now. Like, ooh, I hate that now. Ooh, I don't like that now. You got a bunch of okay, we got a shot there. You got a shot there. We're gonna win there. I mean, you got a good chance. So I'm with you. I I I think you're right. Unless they somehow just throw an absolute blank show this Thursday. I can't imagine that. Jacksonville's lost all three games by double digits. Trevor Lawrence has been awful. He's thrown seven interceptions. He's got a pass rating of 60. It tells you how hard it is to be a rookie quarterback, which also makes you go back and look at good, look at Joe Burrow and go, huh, and, and and Justin Herbert both and go, boy, those guys were special. I mean, look at Zach Wilson. Look at Trevor Lawrence. Look at this class. They're, they've been brutal. And uh, those two guys last year were pretty special. So I, 
I would feel pretty good as a Bengals fan right now. Not great. And there's no reason to celebrate over anything other than you just beat Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh for the first time since 2015. That's great. But the bottom line is I'd feel pretty good about this football team right now, especially the defense. After last week's game, you asked me, did this change your opinion of who you think this team is? I said, no. I mean, it was a terrible game and it made me a little more discouraged about Zach Taylor and his coaching staff's ability to get their team ready for an opponent. But no, I think this team isn't that great. I think they're like six and 11, seven and 10 type of team like we've talked about. And that doesn't change anything. Today's performance changed some things for me. Not yeah. that I think, though, they're definitely going to be 500 or something like that. Now they could still be six and 11. That, that's not out of the realm of right. possibility, but I feel much better about their upside and the chance that maybe they could be 500 or better with right. this group. You never no, know. Rick, Rick, this was a loss on, on paper. This was a loss today, right? Agreed. This is yeah. the one you went. Yep. That's a nail. And it wasn't. And again, I don't care about the Steelers injuries. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't give a, I don't care about any of that. That's a Steelers issue. That's not a Bengals issue. You got to go out and win the game. And they've not done that at times. There's been times where you've gotten Tuki Toussaint or Jimmy Toussaint or Freddie Toussaint or Freddie Johnson running the football. And you're like, who's that guy? And why are they running the ball? And yeah. Oh yeah. You know why? It's the Steelers. Cause that's what they do. They come beat the Bengals. That's what they do. They didn't do it today. Yeah. I mean, we, we, during our weekly podcast, we both picked the entire Bengals schedule went win loss for each game. And we both had them at one and two after the first three games right. here, we sit here and as bad as last week was, they are now two and one, That's right. you know, Zach Taylor gets a big win in Pittsburgh. And again, I don't want to sound too reactionary for, from week to week, but I, so much of this is narrative driven. Yes. And the fact of the matter is if you had laid that egg last week, you get embarrassed at Pittsburgh against your rival this week. Who knows what happens at Jacksonville? Right, and all right. of a sudden, now we're really talking about, is this the end for Zach Taylor? Do you just got to no. get rid of him in the middle season? You get a win like that. And I guarantee you, as bad as we felt last week, it wasn't even that bad in the Brown family. You know, they weren't as worried as we were and they weren't ready to fire Zach Taylor yet. They are definitely not going to be thinking of an in-season firing now no, after he much. just got that win. So in the interest of fairness, it's not deserved at this point. We'll no. sitting here today. And again, unless you come out Thursday and lay the egg of eggs and you go, oh, well, there we go again. We can't, you know, we can't do do things of winning and having fun and and coming back and playing on a Thursday. It's not going to happen. But, be, but even if that does happen, even if they get embarrassed on Thursday, mm, this mm. changed the storyline so much. A little, you know, one a little, three. a little, a little, but hang on. You're. You ain't, you can't lose to a team that's lost by lost three games by ten plus points. Not in this I, league. No, you, not in this league. You don't want to lose them by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm just saying, if they are on a three game losing streak and that happens, you're really thinking about him being oh, gone. Yeah. Yes, and now yes. I don't think that's even a remote thought. Even if no, they get exactly. embarrassed on Thursday somehow. Exactly, and they won't. I don't think they will. No, so. I don't. I don't think so either. All right, Rick. Anything else? That's all I got. It was an enjoyable game. It was an enjoyable chat with you as well. All right. Hey, we'll be back on Wednesday this week. We usually do it on Thursday, but it's a day early because the Bengals play on Thursday. So we'll be back one day early. I, I can't wait to talk about the UC Notre Dame game. I cannot wait. I know that. I'm ready. I am too. It's going to be so good. I can't wait to talk about Kentucky, Florida. There's so much good stuff to talk about. And of course, this Bengals Jaguars game, we got so much. And of course, the fact that I hate David Bell, but other than that, everything's good. So we got a lot to talk about on, on Wednesday when our normal podcast uh, but other than that, we'll be back next Sunday. No, we won't be back next Thursday, Friday with this podcast. Are we going to do this podcast next Thursday, Friday? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Whenever, you, so how about whenever this? you're available. We're going back to back days. We're going to go podcast Wednesday, podcast Thursday. We got our potpourri podcast Wednesday, this podcast Thursday. 
And uh, then we'll be back um, the following week at some point. We don't know where it's at. I'm so confused at this point, but we'll do podcasts and we can't do podcasts anymore. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Bengals edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lender.